All right, as we are um, continuing our sermon series on new creation, basically we've just had an entire sermon right here. Amen? <laughs> and so, yeah, beauty for ashes. And, and these are stories of new creation. And this is the God that we worship and scratch our heads and shake our fists at and give thanks to, this is the God, a God of new creations. So um, that is each one of us in this room, that is our story. And throughout this month, what we are focusing on is the sacrament of baptism. Sacrament is, is just the, the, the church word to talk about something that is an outward sign, that it's tangible. It's outward, it's tangible, and, and it's visible. And so the sacrament of baptism with water is an outward and tangible and visible sign of God's grace that is working within us at times in very mysterious and hidden ways. And we celebrate baptism within the life of the church as a moment and as a journey. And so tonight... Uh, the, the focus for us is that baptism is a symphony of grace. It's not just one thing. And so I want to spend the majority of our time talking about what baptism is. And in order to get there, I want to say a few things. I could say many, and you could probably say more, about what baptism is not. Baptism is not a one-time event that is a spiritual ticket to heaven or a Teflon border to keep suffering far from us. Baptism is not a vaccine to inoculate us from hell. Baptism is not a line in the sand about whether you belong in this Mercy Street family or not. Everyone belongs. This is your home we are all hope dealers, and this is a place where we celebrate God's radical grace. And so everyone is included. And baptism is not a grace that we can manufacture on our own. Baptism is not just a one-note song. It is a symphony of grace. And, and so I say all of those things because within the life of the church, baptism, at times we get our, um, ourselves, our undergarments in a, a wrinkle. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was trying to just clean that up a little bit. Uh, yeah. We get a little, well, when were you baptized and how long ago? And, you know, we just, we do that. We do that. We do it. And it becomes a cacophony of grace to the outside world. And God is consistently as the, as the conductor of this symphony and orchestra is trying to bring us back together and give us a symphony of grace. And so in order to make the point, I reached out to Amber Jamison. Amber has a Ph.D. in music. She doesn't, but to me, she does. I, I texted her. I said, is there, a, is there a piece of music that can kind of help us think about grace? And, 
And whether you were baptized as an infant or an adult, and whether it was in public or private, and you were dunked or you were immersed, I mean, but it was just all of this coming together. It took her two and a half seconds to text back and say, this is the piece. Bolero, which means to dance, by Ravel, 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 thank you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Um, give yourself the gift, if you are going to Buffalo Grill after the service tonight, uh, to sit by Amber and to ask her about this piece. Uh, honestly, it was, it was a moment of grace for me to see how well she knows it. And so what you're about to hear is this. You're about to hear uh, a few parts of this 14-minute uh, piece. I sent it out in the weekly email. I would encourage you to listen to the full thing. What you'll hear is four different repetitions of the first half of the opening phrase. And what Ravel did was it's, it's a, a, a piece that has 18 movements. It's repetitious, but there are slight variations. For time's sake, we're only going to listen to four of those repetitions. I want you to listen for a couple of things, though. Number one, listen for the snare drum. It's repeating the same pattern throughout. Number two, listen to the melody, which is played by different instruments, whether wind or strings. And then listen to the staccato pops of lower and higher pitches functioning as a bass line. I just, like, she can hear all of this. <laughs> Honestly, the song that I was going to pick was uh, Eminem's Lose Yourself. It's got... <laughs> Anyway, this is going to be better <laughs> and much more sophisticated. <laughs> oh, the melody and the snare drum part never change, but who is playing them and how it plays out does. Listen for the snare, listen for the melody, and listen for those pops of lower and higher pitches. Uh, Everett, please, if you will let us listen to part of this symphony of grace.
beautiful. Um, Ravel actually wrote this, commissioned it for a, a ballerina. He wrote it at a time in which his mind was beginning to be eaten away by dementia. And what happens in the mind with some forms of dementia is that it, it literally begins to take away parts of the mind, but it opens up these new pathways of creativity. And the way that they are expressed is through repetition. As we think about this symphony of grace, of baptism, of being new creations, what I want to do tonight is, is to um, kind of just lay out all the different instruments and representations and melodies of baptism. And I have a very clear invitation at the end. Number one, it is to remember your baptism. If baptism has not been a part of your journey, but you have been continuously drawn into this dance, this bolero, this, this symphony of God's grace, then we want to be a community to come around you and to celebrate you. And two, if baptism, man, you're, you, you want to be a part of this family of Mercy Street and, and kind of walk alongside us, you're invited to that as well. Our scripture reading tonight is uh, from a Louisiana friend of mine, Mr. Thibodeau. Not his real name, but that's what I call him. That's where he's from. Would you encourage him as he comes? Good evening. Good evening, Mercy Street family, a family in Christ. Uh, the reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 20 to 22, the message. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together, glorious, <clears throat> gloriously evident. God, God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ putting his yes within us. By the spirit he has stamped us with the eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what Jesus is destined to complete. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 to 22, the message. Thank, Thank you. There's a couple of scriptures that I will uh, refer to along the way, and they'll be on the screen. You can take a picture. But the reason I chose this passage is that baptism and new creation, it is the yes of God. It is fully God's response. God puts an amen, which literally means so may it be. God puts a yes in our hearts, and baptism is also that we join God's yes with our yes. In this passage, Paul is saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of your word. So, um, Everett, if you'll put up the uh, slide that has the three circles. So I want to I kind of just, as I said, lay out the full symphony. Baptism is a symphony of grace. And there are all different ways that we celebrate this sacrament. So, so how it is done, along with who is baptized and when is someone baptized and who can baptize people. And then along with why, why are we baptized? And all in the middle of that, I think, is this yes. 
And what I said in the beginning was at times at church, we're, we're, we're trying to pull all of these things apart and understand them differently. But a symphony of God's grace is a symphony with a resounding yes. There's about to be a lot more information on the screen. Next slide. <laughs> I, I want to kind of take a trip around the theological neighborhood or the symphony of grace. If we start, start in the upper right-hand column, should you be sprinkled or immersed? Sprinkled or dunked? Yes. <laughs> I've already given you the answer right there in the middle of the screen. Yes. To be immersed in the water, part of the reason that that is a tradition is to be uh, recognizing that through baptism you are immersing yourselves, you are dying under the water to one way of life and then rising up to new life. And so that's the significance of, of baptizing someone. They go under and then back up. It is to bring them from the old life to the new life. And in some traditions, you're sprinkled. And quite honestly, within the life and the history of the church, sometimes that was the case because of the availability or not of water. Okay, so there's a practical side to some of this. But the reason to be sprinkled or immersed was the same thing, that when the prophet was anointing the new king David, he anointed him with oil. And so to be sprinkled and to be marked on the head is to be anointed, commissioned, marked as holy and as set apart. So sprinkled or immersed, what's the answer? Yes. Oh, we're going to be just moving right through this. Can anyone do it or does it need to be done by a clergy or by a priest? Yes. And you don't even have to prompt you. The sacraments of God the tangible, invisible signs of God's grace belong to the church. And so they belong to the family of faith. And so there are stories of families, parents who've been praying for a child for a long time, and that child ultimately, at 42 years old, wakes up. And I've had parents call me and say, I want to baptize them, is that okay? And I say, if you ask my bishop, no. If you ask me, so, <laughs> the sacraments belong to the people. And the reason, too, that only clergy or priests do it is because within the life of the church, the holy things of God, they're not set apart just for a few, but they're set apart to make sure that the full story gets told. And so that's some of what I have taken a vow to do is to administer, to give to share the sacraments in a way that is holy to be sure that the full story is told. Should a baby or a child or an adult be baptized? Yes. Infant baptism, uh, incidentally that is the tradition that I grew up in. Infant baptism, the baptism before the child can answer those questions for themselves, is a sign of what baptism is, that God is pouring out God's grace on this child's life. And that pouring out of grace is complete. Now, as that child grows, as this child continues to grow, 
I grow in the understanding of what that grace is. And then I begin at different points in my life to join my yes to God's yes. And as an adult, as, as being converted to the faith, as a, a five-year-old or a 55-year-old, and to be able to answer the questions for yourself, do you want to follow in the life of Jesus? Do you want to pray to the Spirit to resist the powers of evil that may come against you? Do you want to become a part of this weird family of faith? And you can say that for yourself, yes, in that moment, and then we still, too, spend a lifetime joining God's yes and realizing it was God reaching out to us all along. Should you be baptized one time or multiple times? Until it takes. Is that what you said? I've heard that before. Hey. If we had eyes to see and ears to hear and, and the ability of God pouring out God's grace consistently over time, pursuing us before we even knew it, justifying and cleansing us and, and making us free from everything. If we had eyes to see, we would see that this has been poured out. Jesus on the cross says, it is finished. And so in a sense, yeah, one time. And we're a people that we need those markers along the way. We, we need moments. The people in the Old Testament called them Ebenezer's, stones of remembrance. We need to be able to have mile markers and, and a ritual and a celebration together to say, yes, I was baptized, but also some of you will do this on January 28th. After the last few years, I need to be dunked in that pool and in this community to take the vows once again. Is it public or private? It is to be, in my tradition, it is to be celebrated in a community because this is not a solo journey. I need people around me to not only remind me of Jesus' teaching, but actually live them so I can see what it means to forgive, to confess, to want to wanna live a life of service to others. When I start having three and four and six and 17 cloaks, to remind me to give one away. When my pantry is full, I need to be baptized into a family that will remind me to open up the cupboard and give. And so it is public, it is to be celebrated. And then there are times where it is such a private moment. <laughs> and God honors that as well. And we are not only baptism as a sign of conversion, but it is... Uh, where we say yes to God. It was the baptism of John the Baptist, of repentance and forgiveness. Yes, it is that. And baptism is where we are commissioned to. Woo, next slide. <laughs> uh, take a snapshot of that. It, you know, the, the reason it, I, I'm telling you, like, is, is it this or is it that? It's yes, it, this is all pulled from Scripture. And so baptism is repentance. We look at John. It, it is to be made clean. It is to turn from your ways. Jesus is baptism. Jesus did not have anything to confess. If baptism is only about conversion, then why did Jesus get baptized? Separate sermon. <laughs> <laughs> baptism is about being immersed 
It's not Teflon from suffering, but it's recognizing we will be immersed in suffering, and yet we have Christ who is with us, and we are anointed for ministry. All throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, children and households are baptized. When Christianity came about, they put aside circumcision as marking the child and said, now it is baptism, say praise the Lord. There is also a, a very private moment of the Ethiopian man and Philip, where there's, it's just the two of them. And he says, what can keep me from being baptized? There's water right over there. And Philip said, you're right. Nobody else from Jerusalem is around, but let's do this. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Woo, we could get into a discussion about that. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit comes. And uh, So I don't know where you are in the symphony of God's grace. Maybe it's been a while since you've connected to God's song singing over you. Maybe it's a moment in which you say, you know, it... It feels like a vulnerable thing to say yes to be a part of this family of faith, to be yes to the Christian family, when many times Christians have behaved so badly. Man, come on in. The water is fine. The water is... <laughs> but come into the family and live the life that God has called you to so that we are writing a different story of what it means to be a Christian and to be in the church, and to be a follower of Christ. We're not about a cacophony. We are about a symphony of grace. We're going to listen to the Bolero piece one more time. In the instructions to the orchestra, it says that the piece should begin in quiet, but at the end of the 14 minutes and 57 seconds, every single musician should be playing at the loudest uh, volume possible. And, uh, and I shared in the weekly email a, a, a YouTube so you could see a video of an orchestra performing it. There's room in the, in the symphony of God that I hope you can hear the... You can hear that percussive beat and it is God saying to you, you are seen, you are loved, you. You hear the, the wind instruments or the strings that can just soar to such high places where God says, I will meet you on that mountaintop to remember your baptism, to remember that you are my beloved. And then you hear some of the downward notes through the valley of the shadow of death. At the end of the piece, there are moments of dissonance that get worked into the end, and it, it is like at the end of the piece, every single person in that orchestra just plays with gusto. You're going to get to hear the ending. While we listen one more time, it's a minute and a half. Listen to God's symphony of grace over you. And connect to the percussive beat, connect to the strings that'll take you to the heights, or listen to the low notes that will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. If you'll give your heart one more listen to this piece.
<laughs> it's like, who's that? That's just a new part of the symphony of grace coming into our lives.